A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and it's Friday. So here we go with a highly anticipated, much appreciated Duff McGagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you from New York City. Um, listen, uh, I got uh, I got myself a, uh, a pet lizard, and all this thing would do was tell me dad jokes. So I took him back to the, the pet store, and the pet guy, guy at the pet store said, well, um, you know, I told him, I said, my lizard, all he does is tell me dad jokes. And he goes, well, that's not a lizard. That's a stand-up chameleon. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> that's a good one, stand-up chameleon. Uh, when Duff hits, he hits. And Guns N' Roses have a hit tour right now in the States. They got the Pretenders open for them tonight, Friday PNC Park in Pittsburgh. They'll be out to mid-October. Go see them while you can. Tickets information at GunsNRoses.com. And come rock with Fozzie as well. Spotlight on London is next Friday, August 25th at the O2 Forum in Kentish Town. We have just surpassed the highest-selling show in London in Fozzie history. We're going for our highest-selling Fozzie headlining show ever. Still a week to go. Come join us August 25th, FozzieRock.com for tickets don't miss out on the beginning of All In Weekend. Come check out Fozzie at the Forum in London. And then go see AEW All In Sunday, August 27th at Wembley. FozzieRock.com is all the ticket information for the O2 Forum. And today on the show, Trent Barretta, who's going to be in the stadium stampede at the uh, All In show at Wembley Stadium. The first stadium stampede without me. Uh, he is going to be there. And he's on the show today. You know him as part of the best friends, along with Chuck Taylor, Orange Cassidy, you'll hear how their team came together, what inspired the name, and how an overseas trip gave rise to Orange Cassidy's lazy thumbs up. Trent's also talking about his time at FCW and WWE, why he thinks things didn't work out well for him there, and how returning to the Indies became one of the best moves of his wrestling career. He also gives a behind-the-scenes look at the world of mocap for video games. He did a lot of motion capture work for the WWE. 
uh, video games. He shares some of the moves he performed that are playing the game to this day. We'll talk about the time he was stranded in Switzerland when the rest of the crew had to leave to take a bus to Italy and how uh, his stranding in Switzerland ended up being a, a bonus for him and a detriment to us. We're talking about AEW, the killer street fights and parking lot brawls that the best friends have had, the one recently against Claudio and Mox, and the one they had during the pandemic, the classic against Santana Ortiz. So much to discuss with Trent Beretta. Yes, he has a last name now. Trent is here right now on Talk is Jericho. All right, so we're just discussing here after a thousand plus episodes now. Never had Trent, uh, and we're Trent Beretta now, right? We've got our last name. Yeah, I, I legally, I got it back. Yeah, and how did you lose it in the first place? I just assumed that WWE owned it. Oh, anyways, you got your name back. Anyways, for a while, you were just Trent, like like yeah. Bono and Beyonce. With a question mark for no reason, <laughs> which, which was cute at first, and then like years later, I'm why the f- do I have a question mark? <laughs> we had that with Cody too. It was just Cody. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. But um, we were just discussing, you guys are kind of the, the best friends or the masters now of the parking lot brawl yeah, in Daly's so. place, right? You've had yeah. two and they've both been looking at the scratches on your arms and the bumps and bruises all over and everything. Yeah, I feel pretty cool with um, all the cuts. <laughs> it, was gr- it was a great spectacle on, on Rampage the other night. Uh, it was a big success too. It drew a, a really big number. So kind of tell us about how you would put one of those matches together and kind of how the whole thing was for you in the second one. Putting it together is kind of you. You want to come with ideas, like and think of them the day before, but like you don't really know what you're even going to be allowed to use. Especially the first one, we were like, we didn't know if we can even hit a car. I mean, we knew we can probably smash something, but like we didn't know how many cars we can hit. Are we allowed to go through windshields, shit like that? Right. But uh, the second one, we had a lot more time to put it together, and actually ended up taking a lot more time than we we thought it would like it was like get there at six we'll be shooting at nine and we didn't shoot until 12 or something like that wow but uh they're just so much fun because you can really do anything and and those matches is always way easier because you're not you're not blowing up because you can just take giant bumps and lay around but um but you really film them all the way through it's not like yeah the cinematic matches that we did during pandemic yeah that's a I don't want to do any of those. No offense to anyone that did sure, you guys, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I remember the first parking lot we did, They, um, I think a lot of the crew thought that we were going to be doing a cinematic match or it was at least wasn't going to be one take. And then they were like celebrating when 10 minutes we got it all done. Gosh, yeah. I mean, that's just that's just good planning and everything. Because when you, like you said, when you do a, a parking lot brawl, there's only so many things you can do because there's there's cars and there's a, a, a cement mm-hmm. parking lot. So it's not like you, I mean, obviously you are taking bumps on the cement because yeah. you guys are crazy, but you kind of have to be really creative of all the different things you're going to do within this kind of small little circle of, of, of the, the playing ground. Yeah, I actually, I'm an idiot where I always want to take all the biggest, stupidest bumps. And this time, like, they guys were like, all right, we can't, we can't do that one. We can't do that one either, but you could, yeah. I don't know. It's hard on those cars, though. I mean, I remember I did a... I think Seth Rollins gave me a pedigree on the roof of a car once, and it doesn't really do anything. It just kind of, like, goes like, donk. <laughs> Actually, I don't want to... Maybe I don't want to say this, but I kind of thought it was easier than, like, a top rope bump or something like that. Really? Because I... Do I want to talk about it being easy to bump on cars on this? <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> it's not easy to bump on cars. 
But I feel like the the wheels having a little bit of give, and uh-huh. then also like the hood denting or shit like that. Or maybe I was just kind of fired up because I knew I was bumping well, on a car. Well, that's the thing too, right? I mean, I, I, you can try and justify it, but I think you guys have probably just got adrenaline. You're in there with Mox, and you're in there with Claudio, and that sort of a thing. Yeah. You know, and it's it's also a big spot for you guys because the best friends are AEW originals. You've been here from the start, uh, but you always kind of it, it's the perfect example of wrestling. You go to the top, and then you go back down. You go back to the top, and you go back down. So when you get a chance to work with a Mox and a Claudio with this big angle yeah. you want to show up yeah it's it's huge for us right because what we just we're here every week but most of the time just getting our asses kicked and mm. and doing what we're told but uh it's always when we get a little a little opportunity or something like that we want to go as as hard as we can and, uh i was real happy with the parking lot and the three-way we did last week on uh, Dynamite yeah that's was a lot right of fun too in tampa that was the anything yeah. goes you and mox and penta right yeah yeah that was a cool one because after I used to live in Tampa. I moved, like that was like college for me, moving to FCW. Mm-hmm. So like to get to go back to Tampa and and like have a hot crowd and do that match and get a win for for once. That was <laughs> that was all. That was nice. Hey, if you get one win every once in a while, it's beating Mox and Penta. That's right? a pretty yeah. main event. That's a pretty big win. Let's talk about going back to, to FCW because this is pre NXT when they moved to Orlando. This is old school Tampa FCW. Uh, down in uh, by McDill Air Force Base and that sort of a thing. Yeah. How did you get into WWE uh, to begin with? And let's talk about your time in FCW. Yeah. So I I started training when I was 15 at a place called NYWC. Uh, Mikey Weprek eventually took over as a trainer there, but at first it was this guy John Kerr. So I did I did five years uh, on the Indies, and Mikey had a connection to to Dreamer in WWE, who was like a some kind of talent, yeah, talent relations, relations guy. guy, scout, whatever it was, yeah. And uh, I started getting booked as an extra, and I did a few extras, uh, extra things, and I, I got squashed a couple of times, and then Johnny Ace just uh, asked me if I wanted to come, come move to Tampa when I was 20 years old. Well, he actually told me to go finish up. I had like a half a semester left of community college, and he wanted me to finish that before moving. But that was really like I was living with my parents, and then it went from that to living in Tampa with uh, grown wrestling men. You know, <laughs> uh, it's like a pirate kind of, you know. Sure. You know. But um, I was just a boy. I was just a boy in Tampa. But that was that was great. Doctor Tom was down there. Doctor Tom was one of the coaches. He yeah he he was the best. So kind of tell me what it was like to be uh, there. Because I remember the couple times I went down there, it was kind of a much smaller facility than, than the NXT. Oh, yeah, yeah, center. for sure. And I didn't... Was, sorry, go, go ahead. It was like more of a warehouse, yeah. It, it was a warehouse, I'm pretty sure. And I didn't, I didn't think of it as anything shitty at the time. I was so excited to be there. Right. But um, it was just waking up every day and going to practice. And we would do, like, we would drive an hour every, I think it was Tuesday, to do... Our big show every week was in a bar, like inside a little bar with like a tiny ceiling, and there'd be like probably less than a hundred people. But it was it was all so exciting for me. Mm. Like Brand looking new. back, look yeah, looking back, like I don't I don't want to do that again at all. Mm. But uh, I just loved it. And so what kind of, what was the, the daily events when you were training there? Because like I mentioned, there was a lot of people, yeah. three rings in the warehouse. And it seemed like there was like 60 or 70 trainees. I think it was less at first. Yeah. It, but it, I, 
my memory's not that good. I've been <laughs> rocked so many times. Right. Uh, we, we would have a day where there'd be like tape study and, or watch the shows we did because eventually we did more shows on the weekends, not just that little bar show. Mm. I'm trying to remember like what practice was. Do you do you never you ever heard of the man in the middle drill? That was a Dr. Tom. He probably didn't train. What is that? Where you just up and down? There'd be a guy in the middle who would like. Um, there'd be four guys in the corners, and then one guy would stay in the middle, and he would do like a headlock takedown with headlock takeover, maybe kick out with each guy, and then there would be the next little spot, and he would do that with each guy, and then the next spot with each guy, and then it advanced to like run spots and you would kind of see how far you could you can go before you were dead mm, or gotcha. sometimes it would just be do this and then you're done but there, there was a few times when it was like a challenge of how far can you go what it was so hot in there too Dude, it was i remember there was one time and like i i think i won the world record for the drill putting myself over for, for what drill what? for the man in the middle like going as far as anyone could <laughs> okay and it would it was brutal in there I don't think I could do that at all <laughs> yeah. now. But you won the world record and you were... I'm claiming that I won the, yeah, world, yeah. the world record. And I, I remember I just went home and napped. <laughs> like the whole day. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So how did you eventually transition from, uh, from FCW to get into WWE? Looking back, our timing on that was so bad because we got called up I don't. I don't know how we just got called up to it was, uh, it was for the ACW. Yeah, yeah, the Dude Busters. It was you and Croft, Caitlin Croft, Caitlin Croft. What's yeah. up, Crofty? Um, we got called up, but then ECW was. They must have known that they were going to end the show and turn it into NXT because it was like three months after that that happened. So then we were just floated around, which was it was a weird time, but it was it was fun. I I remember. Um, I think it was a Europe tour where me and Croft. I don't know who we wrestled, maybe the Heart Dynasty or – no, no, it was a house show. We were still bad, supposed to be bad guys. And you had told us after the match, like, you guys got to have more personality, be heels, you know. And then we had somebody else telling us, you got you to gotta keep it serious. You can't, you can't be dicking around. It's, we gotta, we're trying to make people think it's real. So we're, I wanted to be dicking around, having fun. I love being a bad guy. Mm-hmm. But, I was just like, yes, Mr. Jericho, and then <laughs> couldn't actually do it. <laughs> what was the idea? Where did you get the name Dude Busters? Like, what exactly were the Dude Busters? I don't know what we were. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> where did the name come? Uh, I think it was uh, Tully and Arn were the Brain Busters in WWF. Oh, okay. And it was just uh, it was just that. Or maybe the move came first. I used to do, well, my finish now is still, I guess, technically called the Dude Buster. Called the Crunchy backstage, and somehow Excalibur <laughs> took that and said it on TV a few times. I'm like, don't call That's it that, man. <laughs> but uh, me and Niece were a tag team, and I think we actually called ourselves the Dude Busters, like privately, not we weren't announced as that. Mm. This is like 2007. Me and Niece were a team. So when you got to WWE, it was probably 2009 or 10, something yeah, like that. Uh, yeah, beginning of eight. Right, yeah. right, right. So you 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 get called up to do ECW. 
but then it kind of disbands so and we, then you're floating around did you ever find a place at all I'd say no, not at all. You know, just kind of just there when they need you, whatever we yeah. do. Yeah, and then after a year of floating, they released Croft, and then it was just me single floating. One of our favorite stories that we tell was when we were in... Um, oh, yeah. This is, this, this is your story at I this know, point. but I want to know what really happened, okay? <laughs> I so don't know. I know I'll, your I'll story. It. I'll start it. So we were in Switzerland, and there was a volcano, and the volcano demanded that uh, we had to get back to Italy to fly home because Raw was stuck in Ireland, which was they couldn't yeah. fly. It was an island, right? So we were the SmackDown crew, but we had to, to, to get out of Europe and go to do Raw because SmackDown was stuck. Now, the ash was in the sky, so you couldn't fly if the ash got into the airspace. So we had to make it to Milan as like a, a mad dash crazy run. We were in a, 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 a tour bus, which is like the WWE style tour bus, which is more of like a very fancy, like Greyhound bus, let's say. Wait, did you guys know that Milan was the goal when you yes. started driving? Yes. Okay, okay. That was always the goal. But they said it would take like eight hours and it would take almost 24. <laughs> so anyways, when we, when we go, we left Zurich and we go to uh, another city in Switzerland. I can't remember what it was called. Let's say Lucerne. It wasn't Lucerne, but it was another one like that. Because we, yeah, we, we had to drop off the main tour bus mm-hmm. and then go on to this other bus, which we thought was another tour bus, but it wasn't. It was basically like a, like a rent-a-car shuttle. <laughs> like a, like a, I don't know. I never had to get on it. So <laughs> they took the guys that were like, quote-unquote, the most important. They left the camera crew, and the only yeah. members of the team <laughs> that didn't get on were the Dude Busters. So we left, and I never saw you again. Yep. Until that was my that's my story. <laughs> that I never saw you again until AEW. That you you guys became cult leaders in the in the Alps or something along those lines. So tell me, I know you said your memory isn't the best, but tell me what happened from your <laughs> opinion and your interpretations. What happened? I remember waiting on the bus for the second bus to right. come, and then I want to say like as people were getting up to leave and go on the next one, Fit Finley was just like. Dude Busters, you're uh, you're staying in this hotel with John Cohen, Chad Patton, and the the whole crew, all the TV guys. And yeah, that hurt my feelings. <laughs> so go ahead. But we were in like delusional, thinking like, how are they going to do Raw without uh, the Dude Busters? So uh, we we made the most of it, and we had it was fun. We I think we spent five days in in Switzerland. That's how long you guys were stuck there for. Yeah. Because once again, you couldn't leave because yeah, of the, we I, didn't I, drive I, I, somewhere else. We drove out of, we flew out of Switzerland. What did you do? There was like a fancy hotel that was like the the, the people that were doing like a some kind of play or like a dancing uh, uh-huh. show, like a fancy like Broadway kind of show. Like the whole cast and crew was staying at this hotel, and we would all go every night and hang out with them. And there, I remember there was like two ladies that were twins from texas that they were just also stuck there so we like we made friends with like a lot of different people it was it was fun man well i'm glad you had fun because while you were yep. stuck becoming a cult leader in in switzerland we had a 24-hour bus ride which was one of the it's a great story but at the time it was terrible i remember thinking i wish i was a dude buster yeah we, <laughs> 24 hours straight too it was huh? terrible piss stops at one piss stop and there was one stop to eat where they had baguettes. Oh shit! Yeah, this is when we were driving through the they, Alps they and the bread guy. And, um, they love bread meals in Europe. They do, but yeah, it was me and Matt Hardy and Truth, and they had we had brought one case of warm 
dark beer. It was, dark beer was warm. And the first couple went down terrible, and the next 10 went down great. <laughs> that's all we did. And I remember the drivers were driving up the Alps, and it was such a steep drive that the guy looked at the other driver and crossed himself. And the other driver <laughs> took a flask out and took a sip. Jesus Christ. Are we going to end up at like, the Donner party here? But then, then, so in my mind, I never saw you again. Is that yeah. true? Did I see you again for another year or I think so? I, I think I let you tell me the story. Yeah. <laughs> Several times before I was like, I actually saw you in WWE like a month later, not in AEW for the first time. <laughs> so how did, when did your WWE career finally, finally uh, end? I tore a tricep um, 2012. And then when I healed up, they didn't have me go back on the road. I was back in, in NXT FCW. And then they ended up just releasing me, which... I agree with them for like I don't think I should have been there in the first place as, as young as I was like a picture of you before even going to Mexico yeah. just getting signed to WWE yeah, you don't really know what you're doing no not at all you don't know how to contribute you know to stand out all that sort of stuff yeah some guys figure it out right away sometimes there's a, a football guy who just it clicks and he's a star yeah I wasn't one of those guys clearly <laughs> so what did you do after that I was so excited. I think some people say, or some people would assume that like the guy who just got fired who was saying that he's having so much fun is really just like dying on the inside. But I was really like, because I, I was getting to have wrestling matches on the indies that were no time limit. So I had spent, it had been years since I had been able to do shitty, like I was just a, a baby doing indie matches before WWE. Right. But now I was able to have matches and work with like, indie guys who really knew what they were doing and that's probably when I, where I learned like the most that I learned in my career was after WWE getting to learn how to how to do main events and stuff like that even if it's just on the indies how old were you when you got signed by WWE 20 about to be 21 so there you go you don't you don't really know anything no I thought I did yeah. because I spent five years doing <laughs> shitty indies going right. to practice a lot so were the indies that you were doing kind of more like Ring of Honor type stuff were you working overseas or I think at first it was uh, it was just like small random indies that like would the kind of indies that bring in like a freshly released WWE guy right 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 but that but I, I got booked for Super Juniors like um, pretty soon so there was overseas stuff, and then that helped, and like, like things kept going and going, and uh, I got to do PWG. And that's where I got thrown with uh, th- thrown together with Chuck. Well, let's back up a bit. So you okay. you, you did the best the Super Junior. Yeah. Tell us about that. I did a super best the Super Junior back in oh, 1997. The winner was Samurai. He beat Kanemoto in the finals. But so the Super Junior is kind of like the I don't ju- even know who won my one. Damn it. <laughs> Told you my memory's bad. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, 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 we'll look it up. If there's only a, a machine that we had in our hand that <laughs> nope. we could find something. Um, so, but just tell us the Super Junior, like the G1 is the heavyweight yeah. version of this. Super Junior is basically a tournament uh-huh. for the Super Juniors, even though it's probably 220 pounds. I'm sure you're pretty big too. But there's for the, it's for the, the junior heavyweights, quote unquote, which is Liger and those type of guys. Yeah, yeah. So, what was it for you to, to had you been to Japan before? I hadn't. And I was, wow, I, always, I always wanted to go to Japan too, because when I started watching wrestling, like there was guys like you, Eddie, I was a huge Benoit fan seeing him do super juniors and, and go to Japan and Dean and uh, Tiger mask and dynamite kid. Like Japan to me was 
just something that was so cool and something I always wanted to do. Like, that was the real wrestling to me. Right, yeah. That, that's the same reason why I wanted to go there for the same names. Owen Hart, Flying Scorpio. I love the fact how the guys always said names of an animal. <laughs> Black Tiger, Wild Pegasus, Flying yeah. Scorpio, you know, Jushin Lager, Ultimate Dragon. So I'm just looking it up. You were in the 2013 yeah, that was the first Best one. of the Super Junior Tournament. So we'll find out. So continue on. So, so you always want to Oh, I to think uh, Balor won. Okay. Verbal. Oh, all right. All right. Um, but just talk about your experiences. You always wanted to go to Japan. This is your first tour there. So the wrestling was cool, and I, I, I loved the wrestling and all that. But the, the guys that I met there, were it was like the, it was the best crew of dudes. It was Rocky. It was uh, Chad, uh, Carl Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kozlov. I don't know if you knew him much. I, Oleg? No, 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 I never no, met, no, 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 Alex Kozlov. Yeah, I never met Alex Kozlov, yeah. So let, let's look at it before we, but let's look at who's in this uh, tournament. Prince Devitt, which is uh, Finn Balor, Alex Shelley, Ricochet, yeah. Taichi, Rocky Romero, Jushin Thunder Liger, Beretta, Titan, Takahashi, Taguchi, Kenny Omega, Takamichinoku, oh, <laughs> Kushida, Alex Kozlov, Brian Kendrick, Tiger Mask 4, Bushi, and Jado. That's a hell of a yeah. that's a hell of a of a lineup there, man. So tell yeah. us about some of the, the, the guys that you met and some of the matches that you had. All I really remember is all the dudes, all the guys hanging out every night until like four in the morning. <laughs> We're all so young where we could like stay up drinking and then still do a singles match <laughs> yes, the next right. day. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of like what my favorite match from that was. Me and Alex Shelley had a really fun one. But match-wise, I don't know. I just remember hanging, having so much fun being out of WWE and just being like, this is the most fun I've ever had. These guys are all so cool. I did, love it here. You didn't have to walk on eggshells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not at all. Not at all. That's something that like people don't realize about WWE, especially when you're first starting out. It's a lot of stress and pressure in that locker room. Yeah. And it's nothing, not in a bad way. Like, no one's trying to like, legitimately make mm -hmm. it that way. It just is that way. Yeah. When you get called up as the Dude Busters and you're 23 or whatever I was, <laughs> like just walking down the hallway is scary because yeah. Vince McMahon could be out there. Right. I, I don't know. He doesn't know who I am. So, <laughs> And if he sees me, he might fire me. He, for real? Yeah. <laughs> if I do something wrong, whatever that is, sneeze. You can't sneeze, right? That's he hates, right. He hates <laughs> sneeze. It signifies a, a lack of control. No, but, but you're right about that. And especially like I remember Edge said that you, that you look like a real life Simpsons character with the headband on. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> Call me Millhouse. <laughs> Millhouse, that was it, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't get it at the time, but when I look back, I had like a very like puffy lower face chin area, and I I, I did look like a Simpsons character. <laughs> I did look like Millhouse. So let's go back to Japan. You talk about the stuff that you go hanging out at night. Like where would you, where would you guys go? We just go mostly in the hotel. Hotel lobby. Yeah. No, the hotel. Somebody's room. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I think. I mean, we would sometimes go out to dinner if we got taken uh, to like a sponsored dinner or something like that mm. but it was a lot of just hanging out in the hotel and then drinking way too much yeah it's like you said you could do that back then and yeah. still get up and have a great match but, the next day but like the guys that that stayed up like I, I'm still like really close and these are guys I didn't know at right. all and I'm still really close with pretty much all of them like I'll hug them I see, if I see any, Jesus well when, when you're when you're overseas like that for like three weeks or four yeah. weeks I mean you really get tight with guys because, you know, you're, you're traveling with Japanese crew, you're wrestling in Japan, the hotels are Japanese, the restaurants are Japanese, so any type of guys you get that are from your country that speak English yeah. as their native language, it's, you always have a connection with them. Yeah. 
It's just like the bond of the weirdos that also really, really like wrestling. Mm-hmm. So like, of course you're gonna get along with them. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, we used to hang on the lobby because there was always vending machines with beer in them. Back oh then. yeah, those were everywhere. <laughs> everywhere, yeah. So did you just do the one tour of Japan? No, no, I did that one and then uh, I teamed with Spanky, Brian Kendrick, and yep. we did a Super Junior tag. And then um, then I, was, I wasn't there for, uh, maybe it was like a year and a half, two years before I started with Rocky. Uh, Rapunky Vice. We were a full-time team, and that was like five years. Let's talk total. about that, Rapunky Vice. Was that just you and Rocky? Yep. He's my Japan dad. He's the best. <laughs> he taught, told me how to act and, and told me so many little things that I would have just missed. Like in the ring or out of the ring? Both, but yeah, both. Both. Mm-hmm. He's such a good dude. I love that guy. Go ahead. So I was going to say, because so, I remember hearing about Rapunky Vice for quite a while, as a tag team, mm-hmm. you know, didn't you mention there was a junior tag team division? Did you guys win the titles? Or yeah, I think we won it. We won it several times, three or four. We won the. <laughs> they do a a uh, super junior tag tournament, and the the winners get like these trophies. We won one, and the year before, Seidel and Ricochet won, I think, and they had. Uh, it was like a giant trophy, like. What you would expect from a tournament trophy, yeah, like a, yeah, like yeah. a two and a half, three foot right. trophy, and I guess our year we didn't know this until literally being in the ring. Our year they, uh, they somebody lost the trophies or they didn't have them or, and they they gave us it was like little league trophies. <laughs> <laughs> And we're standing there trying to look cool. I t- Hold him close to the camera. I think I could find it. I guess that doesn't work. This is audio only. Yeah, well you can send, They're small. You can send it to me. It's, it's funny because I got one of those when we did the, the, the Super J Cup. I did the second stage. I won whatever. I can't remember what award. I won the best fighter, best fighting spirit or whatever the hell it was. And they gave me one of those trophy, the, the, the four foot trophies. <laughs> And, dude, I put that in the uh, overhead in the plane. You kept it. I they, still have it. Wow. I have it in storage. Whenever I go to my storage, it's the first thing you see. They let me keep it. I mean, it's probably like gold plastic. And yeah, yeah, but piece still. Piece of junk, but it's still pretty cool. It's still got the ribbons on it, even though they're all faded. I mean, this is oh, almost 30 man. years ago, right? So it was cool. But I was like, I am taking this with me. In the, I remember taking it and putting it in the overhead okay. bin. <laughs> so they probably, did they want you to take it? You were just like, I'm taking it. I, I mean, I would assume if they didn't want me to, they would have told me because I okay. was nobody. It was 1995. And it was a WAR, which was my company's tournament. So like I said, this is not some kind of a fancy pants thing. Right, it's right. pretty much like if I, if I hit it, hit you with it, it would like break yeah. in 17 I would just pieces. assume they would be, any wrestling company would want to just be cheap and, and reuse the trophy the yeah, next yeah. year. Well, the WWE was like that with the Slammies. I won like three Slammies and the third one I wanted to say, I'm keeping this. Like, you can't keep us, take it from me. Watch me. I'm keeping it. I want a Slammy. Just a trophy thief. <laughs> All around a global yeah. trophy thief. Come to my house, I got a garage full of just trophies from everywhere. And you won, but you, you had to <laughs> yeah. steal them too. Well, did I see you in Japan? Were you there in 18 when, at the Tokyo Dome when I worked with Kenny or... Any of those? Yeah, ones? yeah, you yeah, still yeah. There? yeah. I was there. Yeah, we did a dinner. With, it was one, maybe your first time showing up. We all it was a dinner with me, Chuck, Osprey, you, Gato. Is that where we went to like karaoke? Yeah, Will, yeah, was, yeah. Will was singing Queen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was in um, 2018. Maybe Fukuoka or something like oh. that. Oh. Yeah, maybe something along those lines. It was like one of the ones where I did a run-in on somebody and beat somebody up. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was yeah. a smaller pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you were still working there pretty much until AEW started. Yeah. 
Were you exclusively with New Japan, or were you working other places too? I would I would do Ring of Honor when I came home, and I would do indies here and there. But yeah. the schedule was tough because you'd be gone three weeks, home for two, and then like work those two weekends, maybe maybe take a weekend off. So you're full time with Japan. Yeah, I mean, there was some tours. I was under a full time contract, but there was tours like they wouldn't bring us on the G one and stuff like that because right. they don't. That's all need heavyweight us. guys. Yeah, but pretty much. Pretty much full-time, yeah. That's great. See, when I was in Japan, I was full-time, but it was never a yearly co- contract. Yeah. You were just getting paid by the week that you were there. So that must have been kind of cool having that contract with New Japan. Yeah, it was nice to also, like, you know, be making a living wrestling. Yeah. Because in between WWE and uh, Japan, like, I would do indies here and there, and I was mostly making a living off of, uh, I would do mocap for the, the WWE video game. Really? Yeah. That's actually how uh, my neck injury kind of started well let's talk so talk about that so explain how the mocap works and explain how your injury neck injury started uh so you would put on a little suit covered in these little reflective balls and they would have a ring set up and you would uh they would need to pick sometimes it was big moves they needed and sometimes it was just like standing up and turning slightly to the right and then getting in a fighting position Hmm. sometimes it was rough because sometimes you'd sit around for hours and then it'd be like okay we need a guy to take a power bomb off the top rope and they'd have a crash pad for stuff like that. But, but like, sometimes in ring, it'd be, like, just take a rock bottom or something. and uh, When you're not warmed up. Yeah, yeah. So, so then they would take this footage, and then they would use that. So you taking the rock bottom could be Chris Jericho yes. in the video game yeah. or whatever it may be. I know, like, the story mode for one of the games, like, uh, somebody else was Austin. The story mode followed Austin, and he all the cutscenes are are Austin and then mostly against me as like Shawn Michaels or somebody else. Can you tell? I never played him, but I I think there must be some stuff where uh, where you'd be able to spot. Like I do wonky cells on some things. I probably would be able to spot it. Who were you doing that with? It would change. DJ Perkins, this guy Micah Taylor. Um, there would be a like a ongoing uh, mix of guys. Hero, that, Chris Hero did it. I feel that I saw you in an airport once and was asking what you were doing. You're like, oh, I'm just doing some mocap. And if it wasn't you, it was somebody from that list of names that you just mentioned. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. There's a lot of different guys but that there was doing a, it. That was kind of a regular gig for you. Yeah, 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 somewhat. So how did you end up hurting your neck then? It was on a crash pad. Just They needed a... Uh, didn't even have to be the move it was. They just needed a move where, like, a guy... We started on shoulders, and we needed four moves with a guy on top slips behind. Started from, like, a fireman's carry. The guy on top slips behind. We need four different moves as reversals that are the... And we'll use whatever. And somebody said dragon suplex. And luckily, it was on a crash pad, but it just... The guy, I don't think, was a guy who did dragon suplexes, and he threw it how you would throw a German with a high arc, but he had my neck instead of my waist so i just landed right on top of my head on a uh, crash pad Oof. and uh i was it wasn't like oh no i can't wrestle it was just slowly for over five or six years whatever it was like it started getting worse and worse mm. but of course that mocap not a match right that's always the way yeah right? now if you get injured in mocap they still take care of you as if it's in the ring <laughs> i don't know because <laughs> it was five years later i didn't call right. them up and right, be right, like right, yeah right. so something was just deteriorating over time then. yeah yeah how long were you out for when you had your neck surgery? Because I know it was a while, it seems. Um, well, no, I tore my pec with you. We did that. It was you and Sammy gave me a double tackle, and I tore my pec. 
That's right. A partial tear. So yeah. And then like as I'm getting ready, the pec was only like three months. And as I was getting ready to come back, I started noticing my neck really, really bothering me. And then like I came back and it was like one or two matches. And then I was like, I got that. Was it tingling in the arms or? It was, it was uh, one of my fingers was tingling all the time. And, but the main thing, it was just a, a constant pain mm-hmm. in like my trap, mm-hmm. like a constant burning-ish pain that was really like, once it started really affecting my sleep, was when I said, oh shit, I got to get this checked out. Something interesting, I didn't realize at the time I was having trouble swallowing. It's just randomly, sometimes it'd be like a, a little bit of a struggle to swallow. And I was uh, waking up, having dreams that I was drowning, and then wake up gasping for air. Oh, wow. And uh, I just figured, oh, I got sleep apnea or something like that. Or I don't know what I thought of it. I never got checked out. But after surgery, I guess there was so much extra like bone and shit in my neck that when they cleaned it up, that all went away. So just from like fragments and stuff, just like bone spurs and growth yeah, yeah, yeah. of my neck trying to fuse itself or wherever wow. it did. How long were you out for? It was only six months, I wow. think. Yeah. God. Samson was telling me, like back in the day, the guys would be out for a year. Yeah. Apparently, that's just because they would cut through all the muscle in the back of your neck, and that's what really took the most time to heal. Because the bone is just bone that's yeah, going yeah, yeah, to right. fuse. It's like a broken arm doesn't take that sure. long. But I guess the muscle healing is what took the year. Wow. And now they're going through the front, right? Yeah, they just, I can barely even see it. It's yeah. just a little hole in the front. They move your throat to the side. It was the easiest surgery I've ever had by far, as far as pain. Were you ever worried at all about coming back? No. You knew that you were going to do no problem? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not at all. Let's talk about um, how, how AEW came on your radar, because you mentioned here we are, you know, I was there with you at the Tokyo Dome and working with uh, Rocky Romero. Now, did you, were you working with Chuck Taylor at that point as well? Oh, at one point, I moved up to heavyweight. Me and, me and Rocky didn't split, but, like, he uh, sent me on my way to be a heavyweight. Okay. And then that's when me and Chuck started teaming. So tell us about when you got moved up from junior heavyweight to heavyweight in Japan. That's kind of a, a big deal. Yeah, that was huge, and that... And that my first big singles match was against Kenny, and that was actually the night of your uh, after our match is when your your first thing really when I yeah. attacked him. No yeah. kidding. No, not attack. It was oh. just the the first announcement. Of oh, you. that's a, yeah, no yeah. Kid- wow, I didn't know that. So you wrestled you, and then I came on the screen. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then I, I felt like singles wise things were going great. Like I was finally starting to pick up whatever on my own and then uh i tore my pec and my bicep both in one match and then i was out and then then i think i kind of came back and that's when AEW was starting to be a thing so i kind of my whole singles run kind of got how did you tear your your pec and your and your bi at the same time the pec i I mean the bi i don't even know how it happened really it was me against chuck at pwg and he gave me a back suplex early in the match where i was gonna land on my feet you know, sometimes when you land on your feet, you just put your arms. Yep. And I don't even think my hand touched the ground. It was just I did the stretch and my bicep Pop. tore. I don't yep. know. So then we wrestled. We kept wrestling. I think it was like a 17-minute match. And the finish, he's beating the shit out of me. And then I take like the Shawn Michaels turnbuckle thing. And I was going to come back around and give him a clothesline or something. I only had one arm to uh. do the thing. So I did like a weird military press 
upside down and and tore my pack using the one good arm. Oh my so it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the other one. Yeah, that was a bummer. Especially when you come out of the ring and it's like, what's wrong? Where do you want to start? <laughs> yeah. I mean, geez, right? O- opposite sides is just. <laughs> Man, was it hard to get around and to live a normal life with that? No, it wasn't like a. It wasn't a full pack tear. I mean, gotcha. you could see I have like a weird string. Yeah. In my armpit and stuff, but uh, the bicep tear was. I won't talk about somebody else's injuries, but somebody else here tore her bicep recently, and like you can kind of you can still do. I was doing bicep curls like the week leading up to my surgery weird right yeah because that was always on the assumption it was kind of like a drape that you put a shade you pull the shade down it kind of rolls up is that kind of what the bicep tear is i, I think sometimes it rolls up and sometimes it kind of stays in place but um i don't fully understand yeah. it but mine like this see. is this is bad for uh for audio for audio you can only always but tell, there's always that, that extra little peak yeah well, I, you've torn it it was before when I went before I got surgery, if you twist your wrist, my bicep wouldn't move at all. Gotcha. So I think really the thing I tore and most guys tear is just that muscle. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah, yeah. the whole. Right, right, right. right I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. You're not a, a trained <laughs> yeah, yeah. physiotherapist. Yeah. But it wasn't that bad getting around. So AEW, how, how, when did you first hear about it? Uh, the Bucks had told me little little bits of we're, we're talking, we're talking to somebody. Um, and we think this is actually a real thing. We're talking to this guy, Tony Khan. And, you know, like... Uh, we've heard it before. <laughs> yeah, so many times. Somebody's starting a TV thing. All right. Yeah, whatever. But, I mean, I trust the Bucks. So I was like, I don't I don't think they're just going to get... They, they've, they've heard it a million times before, too. Sure. So if they're saying it's legit, it might be. So our Japan contracts were coming up, and we knew Tony was interested... So we actually had to decide, like, are we going to stick with Japan or are we going to go to AEW? And that was pretty scary because one was completely new and Japan was super hot at the time. Yeah, pre-pandemic, New Japan was super hot. Yeah. So that was so stressful having to choose because I wanted to do both. I didn't want – also, Japan had been, like, so good to me. I'd been there for five years. I knew all the guys. I didn't have problems with anybody. So, like – but – AEW turned out What made great. you decide to make the decision with AEW then? The <laughs> yeah, well, financially, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Plus, too, I think there's always something to be said about working in your own country. Yes, okay, yeah, that's a yeah. huge thing because yeah. being away was – being away three weeks at a time, the first time you do it, it's exciting. When it's the eighth time that year, it's – it gets to – you just miss home. Week one is okay. Week two is yeah. hard. Week three is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the schedule, the travel, yeah. being home – and then the the thought of what can this thing be getting in at the beginning, like that was all pretty exciting. Let's talk about the best friends. I mean, obviously one of our longest standing uh, units in AW and still very successful. And we just talked about how those guys are kind of in a little bit of a resurgence right now. Were you the best friends with Chuck prior to AEW? Was that kind of the name you guys had? Uh, yeah, we got randomly thrown together in PWG. Like they they do the the battle of Los Angeles, and then on the third or second night is it three night or two night? On the final night, yeah. all the losers get thrown into like a uh, right a ten man multi man team yeah. yeah. And uh, my team had me and Chuck and I can't remember who else, but we just for fun called our our team best friends. We might have hugged, I don't know, but the whole team was best friends. And then the next PW show PWG show, it was just me and Chuck booked as best friends. So we didn't even we didn't do it. I I'd, I'd known him for 
less than a year. <laughs> and it was just, and it, but it worked. It's good chemistry. Yeah, it was actually great for me because Chuck was an indie, like a, an indie name. People knew him. Like he was super over at places like PWG. And I was a brand new, I was this WWE guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like for me to team with Chuck was super helpful to me to, for people to get to know me. Like, oh, this guy, he's not just a WWE guy. He's Chuck Taylor's best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What year was that? Do you recall? 2013. Because when Kevin Owens and I did our thing, we called ourselves the best friends, too. I don't think we were trying to uh, uh, step on your copywritten toes. I don't think I'd ever actually heard of you guys no. the best friends. <laughs> I mean, it's not the most original thing. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty exactly. obvious. Best friends and hugging is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did the hug become a thing, though? With the shot, they, they do the big pull away. And oh, everything. that was just because Okada does it. Okada <laughs> does so Okada, remember, Okada would do the Rainmaker pose, and it would zoom out. Oh, okay. Like, I think Chuck, as a joke, said, well, I think it would be funny if the Rainmaker zoom happened when we hug. And now we're... So he, he suggested it to the production guys? I think so. I think it was a Ring of Honor thing at first, yeah. Yeah, that's where we first did it. And, yeah, it was completely just a joke. And <laughs> still a thing. How do you like teaming with Chuck? I love it. It's fun. I mean, we are really good friends yeah. in real life. We do argue a lot when it comes to the wrestling match things, but like outside of wrestling, we get along really well. Argue uh, as far as putting together the match? Yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I know I, I have like PTSD of, how, of calling matches because Chuck's going to get mad at me for something because it is. <laughs> I'll get, everyone will be going over like the, uh, like we're about to go out and then I, think of something in one of my spots and like go off on a tangent in my head and then i'm like oh shit we gotta i gotta sell this like this here and uh just make sure to be here for that and everyone's like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> so i'm trying to be a good boy but we do uh <laughs> he gets mad at me for shit like that well it's funny because when you see him he's kind of quiet at first then he's super funny like great sense of humor oh yeah really fun guy to be around you know yeah he's the best yeah so then how did you guys incorporate Orange Cassidy into the act? We all became good friends. Like when I first met them, when I first met them, they were like uh, two of my closest friends on the indies that I met and um, kind of just got randomly thrown together at a, a WrestleCon. What's the high spots show they do of WrestleMania weekend? Yeah. Russell, we just got that. thrown together and it worked really well. And since then we were like, we, maybe this would be a, a thing that works. And then, just seemed obvious to have him go with us on, on for AEW, and I don't know. It just it seemed like just the thing to do for us because we were all friends. We're all friends with you, yeah. yeah. We were actually, uh, you know, what Thummy does. Uh -huh. We were that. Did he ever tell you where that came from? No. We did this chore. Of course, he wouldn't tell you where it came from. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's orange. She won't talk. We, we we did this show in uh, China, and it was just uh, I don't know why I'm telling this story. It's kind of his story. There was just an advertisement in the airport of, of a guy for whatever it was, Chinese soda. And for some whatever reason, his thumb was a shitty <laughs> half-assed thumbs up. And then that was a thing the whole tour that we were all doing. Like physically or that's just how he did it? He, he guys, no, no, his thumb was a, his thumb looked great. He, just, oh, he was okay. just being lazy. He just did a lazy yeah. thumbs up, yeah. And now it became like a thing we all did that whole tour. So he kept it because he's so lazy. I mean, it fits in perfectly. Perfectly, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I just thought of us being buddies for <laughs> for a while. So yeah, that, I don't know how he fit in the group. <laughs> well, it worked, like you said, one of the one of the best uh, groups that we have in AW. Um, what are some of the highlights for you since you've been here? Obviously, you mentioned the the parking lot brawls. Yeah, 
what other things have stood out for you since you've been here as far as highlights for you? I've got to have some really fun uh, singles matches that I really liked. I really I had a really fun one with Jay White and I'm trying to think. I'm gonna leave something out that somebody's gonna be like, dude, why did you not talk about that? That was <laughs> you loved that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We bonded about that and now I hate you for not bringing it up. Well, why, why, are you, why are you thinking about that? How did Sue come get involved? Your mom she oh, become one of the stars of the best friends. That was an, there was during like the COVID summer, a lot of people had cars. Like I think Cody had a something drove Cody to the ring. FTR had like the 1950s right, thing. Right. Somebody else had something. We had the the. the Did they have a truck. 1950s looking truck, or did it just make? They think so. I think I'm thinking there was someone driving yeah. up in a truck. And as a joke. I think Chuck said we should have your mom drive us into the ring in a van, and then like we laughed about it. But then we're like, wait, maybe we actually should do that. That's very stupid. We have a title match coming up. Let's have her drive us to the ring, and that that was it. And people really liked it. So I mean, what did you what did she say when you asked her? She was so excited. <laughs> she's she's easily excited. She's the best. Uh, she actually used to drive me into wrestling practice every Sunday when I was fifteen. I couldn't drive yet. She oh, dri- yeah. she would drive me an hour. Oh, wow. And then she would go hang out with my grandma and then pick me up and drive back. So, like, to have her drive me to the ring for actual matches on TV is, is so cool. Didn't she actually have a T-shirt or something like that? Wasn't there a Sue merch or something? She's got a pro wrestling tease. <laughs> it's like one of her giving a middle finger or something. Right, right, right. Yeah, because yeah, she was on the show a bunch of times around that time. Yeah, she's made, like, five appearances total or something, something around, around there. Yeah. Now she's kind of taking it for granted, like, all right, you want me on the show again? Get up the ante. <laughs> Whenever I tell her, like, she, we might have something with you, I'm not sure yet, she'll text me every day, like, do you know yet? Do you know yet? Greggy? <laughs> it, was, it was funny, too, because that was for the, was it for the first parking lot brawl that she drove you in? Or was that leading up to it? No, uh, the first time it was just, a, like, a, it was like Bash at the Beach Dynamite. It was a title match, a tag right. title match. Ah, okay. But yeah. then the... Uh, Santana and Ortiz broke her car, mm-hmm. and then after the parking lot match, she picked us. Up. She picked us up. We drove away. How crazy it's to think back to that pandemic time. You know, it seems like like a, like a dream. You know, I know. Yeah, that that's why the parking lot match was such a cool thing because it was like we had the we had a crowd there. I don't know why it was such a cool thing, but it is it is it very was weird though. To think about. It was yeah, a cool yeah. thing. I'll tell. I'll, I'll give you my take on why it was a cool thing. Similar to why Stadium Stampede or the Mimosa match that Orange and I had. It's like none of us. Oh, yeah, that was a really fun one. It's fun, right? <laughs> you look at it now and you go, they took bumps into what? I've, I've, I've told you this before, but when Orange first told me about the Mimosa match, I was like, oh, my God, Jericho's lost his mind. <laughs> what is he thinking? But it was great. I got the idea from the FMW landmine matches where you would be on the oh, edge shit. of the ring and they'd hit you and you're – teetering on the apron side and if you fall to the ground you die. the landmine goes off you fall on the barbed wire board and the ex- yeah. explosion goes off and i was like well, what if we're teetering to fall into like it's perfect i've got bubbly he's got orange juice it's mimosa so yeah when you think about it on the surface it's absolutely bad yeah. shit, crazy stupid yeah. but also too at the time None of us knew what was going on. We were just trying to keep the lights on and keep people happy and keep ourselves happy. We're wrestling in front of 50 people that were extras from our show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so, so the parking lot brawl fit in with that perfectly because it was a great match you could have, but you didn't have to worry about people being around because we didn't have that option, you know, as far as having a crowd yeah. to watch it. 
And credit to Tony for thinking of that. He he remembered the one from uh, Cena and Eddie, right? From like SmackDown or something. I don't even yeah. know if it was a pay per view match. Probably came from Memphis in 1980. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Knowing Tony, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that was a good one though. The first one was is an all time classic AEW match with Santana Ortiz. It's just such a blast to do those matches. I want to just be a garbage wrestler. I don't, but it, <laughs> to, to get to do them once in a while is uh, it's, it's a it's real fun. treat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the differences between the two when you're putting one together with Santana Ortiz and you're putting one together with Claudio and Mox? Well, Mox is such a wild man. Mm-hmm. He's such a unique man. I love him. Mm-hmm. But uh, calling things with Mox, he, he, lo- he doesn't like to call as much yeah. as some guys, which Mox, is fine. Mox also chooses his words wisely. He'll sit there for like five minutes and not say anything. And you're like, does he like this? Does he not like it? Does and then he hate then, me right now? Then he'll just go, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a little bit more uh, improv when you're with Mox and Claudio. There was some more. There was yeah. There was more this time, but it it wasn't like wasn't a crazy amount of improv. Yeah, I'm trying to think, and I know like the the first one we were all trying to prove ourselves, and uh, and that makes it seem not that Claudio and Mox aren't going to try to go hard and have the absolute best match they can, but. uh, I guess the difference was to also like the story. Story wise, the first time was the good guys winning, driving away, and this one ended with just murder. Mm. So, uh, destroyed your mom's van. Yeah, bummer. <laughs> but we're assuming as we're as we're talking here, you know, not giving anything away. But I'm assuming there's probably going to be more between you guys, and that's a good spot to be in with the, you know the best friends and the Blackpool Combat Club, and that's a top yeah. level feud. Yeah, I hope so. I'm looking for revenge. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Hopefully Sue gets a new van or something. Jeez, that's two that she's got beat up. She's not gonna she's not want to come here anymore. She's got a sponsorship with like Ford Econoline or something. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what she get it. She needs like some something unique to come back with. Can't just be an, another regular van. But I don't know. Tricked out one, a stretch van, like one of those stretch oh, limos. Shit, yeah, it's a long ass van. Yeah, yeah. Can't turn into the arena at all. <laughs> So we start to wind down here. Are you were you uh, pleasantly surprised with the success of AEW coming out of the gate so strong? Because, like you mentioned earlier, this is a risk for all of us. None of us really knew, and you've been here as long as I have since day one. Kind of how you feel overall about the, the progress of our company and where we're at right now? I'm definitely pleasantly surprised. I mean, dude, it was it was maybe the most exciting time in my career. Mm-hmm. Like when AEW started and having hot crowds every week. And I mean, it's still it's still really exciting. I I love AEW. Um, what was the question again? Just talking about the, the, what you're saying as far as AEW. <laughs> it wasn't a question. God. Yeah, yeah, it was more of a statement. <laughs> I mean, just thinking about how we started when no one really knew what was going yeah. on. We didn't even have a, a real contract. We had a rev share deal. Uh, we went through this pandemic of eight months of wrestling in front of nobody, which would have crushed a lot of new upstart companies. You know, and here we are now with our numbers doing great and 75,000 tickets sold in Wembley and all this other great stuff going on. Fuck, that's you know, so crazy, huh? Isn't it crazy? Is yeah. it at 75 right now? I think so, yeah. So just talking to another fellow day yeah. one guy, because there's only a handful of us, you know, seeing what you think about it. I don't want to sound cheesy and be overly positive, but like that's that's how I actually feel about AEW. It's been cool. It's been the most fun of my career, like by far. And I love this place. Yeah, I really do. The biggest biggest push that you've gotten to as a result. Oh yeah, for you sure. Know? Guys are on every week, no matter what. You're still on, right? So yeah, grateful for it. Last question for you, man. What's your favorite match that you ever had? Is there one that stands out for you? 
that first parking lot is up there, but maybe um, maybe me and Omega from uh, whatever the show was in Japan. The, is that the best of Super Junior? No, no, it oh. was the one where your video played out. Right, 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 right yeah. uh, Maybe that one. It's hard to say. That or parking lot, probably. Mm-hmm. What's yours? Once again, hard to say. I was the the ladder match I had with Sean in 2008 was always Dude, up there I, for me. We should have talked about this the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love those matches. Yeah, I mean, they're they're. I think basically because not just the match itself, but the reason why it even happened because that was just supposed to be a one month program. Oh, really? That ended up going eight months and it was one of the, in my opinion, one of the best stories in WWE history. Man. If I can be so bold. Dude, I've gone back a few times and watched all the matches of that series yeah. like in a row and I catch up on the story with the little videos they do but yeah I mean the stories yeah. in between yeah. um, and just the fact that we ended up main eventing a pay-per-view in a ladder match which you know Sean is, is a ladder match expert and once again not to sound just a little, I've had some great ladder matches too that people don't talk about as much so to know that we were in this match for the title, main event of the pay-per-view Metallica was the theme of the, of the pay-per-view it was just kind of all these cool is- things you know, cementing itself. But then again, at AEW, there's been tons of classics as well. And it's then, hard to pick. It's it really so hard is. to pick. It really is. You know, if, 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 knee-jerk reaction, I would say that Sean one. Ladder. There's also Kenny at the Tokyo Dome, which is oh, great. Right. The Anarchy in the Arena last year was great. So there's a bunch of different ones depending on what day it is, you know? Yeah. So. I got you. All right, man. Well, it's good to talk to you, dude. Thanks and, for having uh, me, I'm man. I'm excited to see what happens with the best friends and the Blackpool. And uh, you guys are going to have to get a couple more friends, though. We'll see. They got a lot of friends. We'll see. Looking for revenge. See if we can find Caden Croft. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, we probably call, should. Call him Tony would love well, that. Yeah, He'd go he really for it would. For sure, he would.